beginning verse 18. Dwayne, I don't know if you could turn the Chromecast on in the back. It, probably, it might just automatically disconnect, and that's okay. But maybe you don't know it's not on. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. I want to set the stage for where we are this month. Um, in, so the month of October, we just have finished looking at four sermons at the end of Romans. And this month, we are going to look at the subject of missions. Some of you might say, that doesn't scratch the itch in my life at this moment in time. And that's okay, because God intends that He's going to work in your life. And, and I pray that by God's help at the end of this month, or even, even some more so today, you will say, this is really relevant for me. Do you know what the, I might not be pronouncing it right, the Pareto principle is? I want, or the 80, if you do, nod your head. If you don't, you can shake your head. You can, or is it, nod, shake, whatever. Um, okay, here, let me set this up for you. In business settings, whether it be you own a company or you have a restaurant, you're selling something, eight, quite often 20% of the customers or 20% of the workers or designers or the people that go into the engineering or the effort into something produces really 80% of the work. Um, you, you, can, you can jokingly see that is if you watch Turn on the TV, you can see that a very small percent are doing all the work at a football game and everybody else is observing. In a church, many pastors or church leaders will write books and say it is often the case that 20% of the givers do 80% of, give 80% of the load, 20% of those that are serving in the congregation do about 80% of the load in a church. That's almost often the case in most churches across the country. I don't know if it's the case here. I'd like to think it's better than that. Now, I want you to think about this. We're all members of a congregation here. And if, if you're visiting, we, we invite you to be part of that. Or if maybe you're from out of town and you have another church and you need to be part of that congregation. But God intends for all believers to be part and members of a congregation. So, when the Holy Spirit is filling and working in a congregation... It won't be the case where 20% of the congregation carries 80% of the load. God would intend for all of the congregation, because as we see in different passages of Scripture, that's not our text this morning, God has given gifts and abilities in differing degrees, in differing ways to all members, to all Christians, in order for them to give of their tithes and offerings, to give of their talents and their energies, their spiritual gifts, their prayers, their concern and their care for all of the body. And I do believe that as we grow as a spiritual body, as a church, our goal isn't primary numbers per se, 
but it is spiritual growth within. And as God does that, he makes disciples outside of us and through us. This morning, I want us to ponder the great mission. I want to say the gracious commission that God has given to us as a congregation. And maybe in a different light this morning for you, I pray that each one of us will say, this is for me, and God wants me to live it out today. Every human being wants to belong, and they want to do something meaningful. This past, God calls disciples to belong in a special way and to do something so gloriously meaningful. So let's read it. Would you, would you look at verses 16 through 18? 16 through 20 of Matthew 28. Um, the, te- the slide up on the screen picks up at verse 18, but I'm going to start with 16. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee. This is after Jesus rose from the dead. They went to the mountain to which Jesus had directed, but some doubted. Verse 18. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is called the Great Commission. Our marching orders, the marching orders of the 11 disciples, and they added in 12th after Judas went. It spread throughout the world. It was obeyed by them, and the church grew, and from generation to generation until now, people that call themselves followers of Jesus or Christians must take these three verses really seriously and joyfully. And this morning, I I want you to ponder with me this gracious commission. It's called the Great Commission, but I want you to see how gracious it is. Uh, We often sometimes hit this text and think, oh, that's for missionaries. Or that's for the church as a whole. Maybe a pastor, he cares about, he's the big picture guy. He's supposed to care about the mission of the church. So he needs to know that. Maybe the deacons and the other elders, that's for them. But boy, it just doesn't move my heart. I pray that it will move God. God would move our hearts this morning and it would affect each one of us. And I want to say it's a gracious commission. I mean, it's grace-filled. And what do I mean by grace-filled? Someone asked me this a couple weeks, in the last couple weeks, what is grace? The grace of God, I want to say that the grace of God is it's free. It is a gift. It's unmerited favor from a good God meeting my truest need. It's a type of grace that knocks us down off our feet and to the ground, first to humble us into tears of repentance and joy, and then of hope of our forgiveness and of God's goodness and love and favor to us undeserved sinners. This is a grace that should move us 
to our knees in prayer and then into praise and to thanksgiving and dependent in prayer on God for what he has for us. It also is a gracious, gracious commission in this sense. This commission gives us command that you are meant to take home with today and live out on, in your address and in your car and at your work and at your school and wherever your sphere of influence. And he promises to help you. He promises to give you grace. So let's look at these. This is a commission we are to commit ourselves to, to give our lives to, to passionately be devoted to in all of our lives. And oh, I pray that all of us would be that. I, I want to ask these questions. Are you a disciple of Jesus Christ? Or who are you a disciple of? I'm going to argue that we're all disciples of something or someone. Is it Christ? Who do you follow and who do you listen to? And who do you obey? Who do you trust and live for? Is it yourself? Is it some other person? Is it some money or dream? Is it pleasure or comfort? Is it your children or your parents? Is it Jesus Christ? A couple weeks ago, we baptized people. Most of you, not all, most of you are baptized. Whose name were you baptized in? Were you baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit? Do you know what that means? You have the mark of his name upon you. Or, or do you practically live as though you're marked by some other name, some other identity? What amazing love of, and grace of God to bring us into his status as sons and daughters. Are you, this week, are you learning all that Jesus and his word commands you to do and obey? Do you know God's commands in this book? And do you actually view his commands as God's goodness, his wisdom to you, as though, thank you, God, for giving that to me. That's really hard, but it's actually really good for me. I know it's all in love. How great is the grace of our God to go after disciples, to make disciples of his son, to give us this mission and bring us into a great new liberty, the liberty of Christ's love in our lives. What kind of disciples are you and I becoming? This morning, I just want to bring three things out about this passage, about the gracious commission. Three things. The plan of Christ's commission, and then I want you to see, I want you to see the grace in that. And then I want you to see not only the, the plan, but the people of Christ's commission, and then the power of his commission. Let's start with the, the plan of his Christ's commission. What's the plan of Christ's commission? He says, well, let me set it here. For three plus years, Jesus had called 12 to be his disciples. He became their teacher. He led them. He lived with them. He taught them. He prayed with them and prayed for them. He trained them. He modeled living out to them and what it means to live and depend on the Father 
He showed them true godliness and the power of God. He made disciples. And there are 11 remaining. And he says, go make disciples. That is God's plan. God's plan was for the 11 to go make disciples. And because they did, in fact, it says, go disciple the nations. We're going to see that in a minute. And they did. And we're here today. This is a gracious mission of our Lord. Make disciples. Disciples, do you know what that means? Those who follow Jesus. If you were to look at John chapter 21, you would see Jesus using that very phrase to Peter, you follow me. Are you following Jesus Christ? What we mean by that, are you listening to him? Are you trusting in him? Are you letting him set your agenda? Does he control your spending? Does he control your time? Does he control your priorities, your dreams, your purposes? In fact, he wants us to so learn to follow him as though we would think it laughable to do anything else or foolish to do anything else. Because he is life. Following Jesus and Luke taught us that it means taking up our cross. It it might mean dying. It will mean persecution and hatred from the world. It means it might mean selling all our possessions and giving it to the poor and following him. Becoming a disciple means we follow Jesus first to the cross and get saved. And then after you're saved, you take up that cross, you take up a cross, and you follow Jesus wherever he leads and whatever it costs. I want to stop here and just invite anyone in this room that if you have never heard the call of Jesus who says, follow me and I will give you my goodness and my life so that someday when you stand before your judge, you will be completely free and receive the joy of heaven and presence with God. But in the meantime, you will be freed up to live and follow me all your life and you'll have a new identity and a new family. But first, you must realize and recognize that you are a sinner and you could never purchase this gift, produce this gift, or make this happen on your own, but you need him to make it happen. I invite you to trust in this Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus died on the cross to save everyone who puts their trust in his work and not their own. He saves and rescues rescues them. Becoming a disciple begins with us accepting that reality, following the call, and falling to our knees and say, I can't, you must, I trust in you. I want to thank God that he did that in my life when I was about 12, and he's done that in many of your life. And if you're thankful, would you say amen? Amen. Amen. So disciples hear that call. And they follow Jesus. So I want you to think this morning, the plan for your life from King Jesus and how good it is. Are you making disciples? And are you a disciple? In this passage, that's the main command. It is make disciples. Most of of us probably aren't English lovers or grammar lovers. But in the old ancient Greek, that was the main imperative verb. Make disciples. 
and there was three participles that were connected to it, three verses, three words that were connected to it. Going, or go make disciples, there's go. Another is baptizing, and another is teaching. So I think what he's saying is there are three things that pertain to making disciples. You need to be going, and we're going to say you're going to go to your neighbors. You go to your children if you're parents. You want to make disciples of them. You, you want to go to Flint and to Detroit. You go to the hard places and the, what seems like the easy places. You go to Cameroon. And you go to Uzbekistan and you go to China and you go to the Philippines. And you go to hard parts in Russia or Dagestan or the Ukraine. And of course, not all of us go, but we send. And we, we send as though we're going, and we love what God is doing because He's given us a mission. So there's going, and then there's baptizing. What that means is sharing the gospel with others, and when they receive Christ and say, no, I want to follow Jesus, He is now my Savior and Lord because I asked Him to save me, and I want to confess Him as Lord, and I want to be baptized, and I want to mark that. I'm going to be baptized and I'm now taking the mark of being baptized in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit. And teaching them. Teaching them not just to fill their heads with a bunch of Bible stories. Those are great and important. But not just filling their heads with the Ten Commandments. Those are good and important. Or all of God's Word. But he says, teaching them to, command, to observe that, that's not a help, most helpful word to us. Teaching them to obey all that I have commanded. Jesus says, who are my brothers and my sisters? Him that does the will of my Father in heaven. Obedience is a mark of those that are his disciples. We now want to obey him. So, where I want to apply that into our lives is in two ways. One, I want you to see how that's, this is grace to us. And Jesus, and oh, I hope you, if you're here and you're saved, I, you better say you're a disciple of Jesus. Because if you're not a disciple of Jesus, you're not saved. True Christians are disciples. And true Christians, though we are not perfect disciples, we are sinning disciples, needing a forgiver all the time. We are growing disciples. And I want you to see, if you're a disciple of Jesus, God sent people to go after us. Thank God. Thank God that people went after us. I'm thankful that people went to the parts of the world and shared the gospel and eventually made it into Europe, which, which is our forebears that settled the United States originally. I'm thankful that the gospel went out. I'm thankful that the gospel eventually made it to my grandparents and to my parents. I'm thankful that God sent people to go. God loved me that much. He initiated my salvation by sending people to go after me. Isn't God so good? Isn't this commission so good? And says his, about his grace to us. And, and think about this. He didn't, just, he didn't just, he says, I'm now his disciple. He invited me and called me into following his son. And he baptized me in his name. I now bear the name of my father in heaven and my savior his Son, and the Holy Spirit. I don't go just in my name. I go into the authority of someone else. 
What goodness and grace. Oh, that this would fill our lives with purpose and belonging and mission. And I want to say to this, and then you've been, you and I have been called into a, a, a teach a life that we need to learn all that God commands us and we're to obey it. But this isn't bad news. Romans 6 reminds us that either we are, we are slaves to what we obey and we always obey something. We either obey sin and unrighteousness or the impulses of our flesh and our own desires leading to death and slavery, or we are slaves to righteousness, leading to life everlasting by his Holy Spirit. And this commission is so gracious, it reminds me and you that as I'm a disciple of Jesus, who's been, somebody went after me by God's grace, I didn't deserve it, and I was, I'd received him, became a disciple, was brought into the name of Jesus Christ. I'm a new identity. I have a new status. And I'm now a slave of something that's liberating God's law, God's word. We go this week with that as marking our identity, that grace. So where do we do it? Go. Parents. You are to be disciple makers of your children. You are to care that your sons and daughters that God has put into your life, you are to long for and pray for and strive for with God's help that they are disciples of Jesus, that they would be saved, then baptized, but put their trust in Christ, are baptized, and would learn to graciously and truly love to observe and obey all that God has commanded. Parents, go make disciples of your children. Grandparents, go make disciples of your grandchildren. There are people in this room that have been made disciples because of their grandparents' influence on their lives. I know it. You've shared it with me. Go make disciples of your classmates. If you're in public school, you are called to see your friends through the lens that you are a disciple and you're to go make disciples. Your coworkers, whether you have a job as a teenager or whether you are, it is your career, you are called to view those people around you as, as people that God made and that God has put into your life. And you should, it starts by praying for them, that God would do a work in them, but have a mindset of saying, oh, I long to become disciples of Jesus Christ, where they bow the knee, not to Satan or to something else, but to, to King Jesus, who is Lord over all. I have a little booklet that Molly showed me this week as I was talking to her about this sermon, and she gave me a spiral-bound booklet I left in my office. And it's, it's about mothering, and it says mothering, the, the call to disciple your children. Oh, that mothers would view your missionary task as you roll up your sleeve, change diapers, make food, care for them. Fathers, as you change diapers, yes, you do it too. And as we care for the kids, and as you drive them to school, or drive them to sports, or drive them places, you prioritize the Word of God on Sunday school, and in Wednesday night youth group and kids club, saying these things are important because we want God's word, and we want to come alongside of you. It's not the church that's discipling you. We are. The church helps us disciple you. 
those that are not married or don't have children. You have, God has called you to make disciples. And part, part of you is to look around and go, I need to see the people in this room as people that will help me to be a disciple and I can help make them a disciple in a greater way. On Wednesday nights, during our Wednesday gathering, I'm teaching a class on discipling and how to help make disciples. How, to, what's, how do you practically live that out? What are some ways? And we, we discuss that and jo- invite you to join us on that. Of course, this also means that we are to go make disciples to Cameroon and to really hard places in South America or East Asia or Muslim countries that right now there is massive persecution. This passage does mean that as we take up the call to follow Jesus and have his heart, oh man, if we grow in the way that Jesus intends to grow a church through his Holy Spirit, I believe that there, in 10 years, some of you will not be here because we'll plant a church somewhere near here. And some of you won't be here because either you're getting ready to go on the mission field or you're already left. We have a bunch of guys right here. And there's about, I wish I would list all the teenagers in this room. I don't want to see my kids in a different continent on one human level. But if God wants me to see my teens in a different continent because that's his will, I need to love it. Because I love his calling in our lives. I'm thankful for the McFell usually. And for three or four years at a time. Because no, they they didn't follow follow the call of comfort, but the call of Jesus, the gracious commission, and went. To go baptize, make disciples. And we as a people are called to support them, to send them, to help them, to love them, to partner with them. And I would say some of us go with them in the years to come. I want you, are you a disciple of Jesus? I just want to ask you that again. Are you a disciple of Jesus? If so, are you growing in obedience to him? Have you been baptized? Are you caring to make disciples? And let me just say this, will you? Maybe you, maybe you need this like refresher course. I haven't lately. Jesus tells me to, so I need to obey him. Please make disciples. Here's the second thing. The last two are are brief. Number two, grace is revealed by the people of Christ's mission. I haven't noted this very much yet, but he says, go make disciples of all nations. Not just where you are, but you are responsible for taking the message of the gospel that makes disciples elsewhere. Missions or missionary work is the process of making disciples elsewhere. And he says, of all nations. That would include caring for different ethnicities and people groups in our community. We have the gift of having those that come and are refugees in our country. And we do not look at them primarily and firstly as American citizens saying, we need to protect our refugee rights or whatever, or our refugee or protection for our citizen status. We want to see 
those from other nations come in and when we see them, we go after them with the love of Jesus Christ and we want them to be disciples if they are not already. But that also means supporting missionaries and going as missionaries, which we're going to talk more about in the coming month. In two weeks, we're going to have Brian here share with us one of our missionaries. I want you to ponder the graciousness of this commission. Jesus said, go make disciples of all nations, and we can all, side, we can all rejoice and say, because he said that, I'm here today. I mean, unless you are of Jewish ethnicity, because God said, all nations now I'm making disciples, we wouldn't be included. There is so much on this. Acts 1.8, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, disciples, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the end of the age, end of the earth. In Romans 15.8 and 9, I tell you that Christ became a servant to the Jews, the circumcised, to show God's faithfulness, to confirm all his promises, and so that the Gentiles also, the nations, might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles. He quotes the Old Testament and sing of your name. 1 Peter 2, Jay read at the beginning of the service. If you're saved, you're a chosen race but not of an ethnicity. You, you are a people, a priesthood, a holy nation, but not from a bloodline other than the bloodline of Jesus Christ in whom we'll celebrate in just a minute in communion. You were once not a people, you Gentiles, but you're now God's people. You have received mercy. Now you have received mercy. Oh, that a mark of a disciple of Jesus grows to understand that we have been included in and because we've been included in, we want to go. We want to go to the other parts of the earth. We want to send. We want to, we want to take our wallet and our checkbook and we want to budget in our lives till we say missions in Cameroon and missions in Brazil and missions elsewhere matters. And in fact, I do less in my life because I care about those things. Why would I waste my money on something that doesn't last? Why would, I, why would I not think about, why would I not make that a priority? And I pray that as we grow as a disciple, we would be growing as a people that love God's work among the nations. And we're seeing people in our church go out, our children go out, parents go out, some of you changing your careers and going out because God always has done that in people's lives. He so stirs up you for his calling in your life that you say, I can't stay here because God has put a fire in my heart for the lost elsewhere. The last thing I want you to... So, so do you see the plan of God's gracious mission is make disciples. What a grace. And his people are all peoples, including... Could it be you and me? And lastly, I just want to end with this. And in a minute, we're going, to, we're going to transition into communion. It is, I want you to see the power of Christ's mission and how gracious this is, the power of it. Look at the bookends, or could I say the sandwiching of this commission? If you were to look at verses 18, 19, and 20, you, you find the command, go make disciples. 
baptizing and teaching all that I've commanded you, teaching them to observe. But I want you to see what it's sandwiched in or what it's surrounded with. Look at verse 18. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now look at the last phrase in verse 20. Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. As though, what is the point of this? Is that just flowery, flowery religious language that Jesus used before he was going to give a command? Or is it purposeful? We'd all say it's purposeful. The ruler of the heavens and earth, the one that holds the universe with the word of his power, the one who speaks and brings life, the one who's at the right hand of the Father, says all authority in heaven and on earth has now, I'm at the right hand of the Father, it uniquely has been given the kingdom to me. Go get the nations. If you were to, this is a fulfillment of prophecy of Psalm 2. Ask of me, Psalm 2, ask of me and I will give you the nations for my inheritance. That's the Father talking to the, the Son. And Jesus is now saying, I'm at the right, now go get them. Go make disciples. I've been given all authority. Now what's the point of all authority been given to me? And I'm sending you. You're going to complete the task. I'm going to give you the power. I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit, which we find in Acts 1.8. And you're going to go and you're going to preach this message. In over 300 years, a small band of Christians are going to turn the Western world upside down, the Roman Empire. And it's going to spread all over the world. There is no human understanding or, or reason for that apart from the miraculous authority and power of this son saying, I'm going to do it. We are to have an optimism about our call as making disciples. All authority has been given to Jesus, and he tells you and me to go make disciples. So what, how should I logically conclude that? He's going to use me to make disciples. He's been given authority. He has authority over souls and over lives. He had authority over my life. He drew me in. He brought me in as a... I didn't deserve it, and he brought me in. I wasn't running towards God, and he brought me in. Now, and, and how does he end it? And I'm with you always. It won't stop, and I, it won't stop, and I'll be with you. It reminds me of Joshua. Do not be afraid or dismayed, for I, the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. You are called as a disciple, and I'm going to be with you. My presence is with you. Mike was, pastor Mike was reminding me of a story that I'm familiar with as well. He said, growing up, his dad as a pastor would take him door to door, knock on the door. Yes, would you like me to tell you about Jesus? That's a scary thing to do, and it doesn't often, people don't do it very much. Sometimes we use the cop-out that it doesn't work. And yes, people don't usually like have somebody knock on the door. Um, but his dad would always say, as we're, especially as he was learning to do this, don't worry, son, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to stand right there with you the whole time. I'm not going to walk off. And if you freeze and don't know what to say, I'm going to be right there. I'm going to pick you up and I'm going to talk for you. This passage is meant for us to say here, God's plan, go make disciples. In your homes, in, for me, it's on Reed Road. And and in my area, and in Linden, and at Leo's. And, and for you, where is it? 
What, what's your zip code? What's your street address? And where's your workplace? And where, where's your school? Where, where are you playing this week in sports? Go and make disciples. All authority has been given to me, and I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be with you with, as you disciple your kids, but you better, you're going to need to call on me. And you're going to have to call me regularly. And you're going to have to, I mean, I might make it hard. I'm going to make you fall on your knees and desperately cry out, God, help me. Help me to have, take away this dry, cold heart for my neighbors that I don't even care. Or, or for my coworker, I don't even care like I should. I don't care. God, forgive me. But thank you that you have grace. And give me a heart for my children. Give me the energy to view this what feels like another frustrating moment with my children or with my parents or with this teacher or with situation is an opportunity, another step in the process of making disciples because you are with me and all authority has been given to me. Oh, that we would rejoice. We were not the people of God as Gentiles, if we are Gentiles, but now we are the people of God. I said that it's not through the blood as being a Jew that makes us the covenant people of God. It is through the blood of Jesus that we all share in common. Oh, I pray that in the coming years, this building will be packed with different colors because they're moving, they move into our area or we just are loving them or and we're planning churches where, where they might be if they're not in our geographical area that right look around most of us are are white but Jesus saves all the nations he saves members and people from all nations and we are to come together and we are one family he laid down his life for us all and so we lay down our lives for each other as one body we're going to now take communion and seek to in a sense apply and remember and renew covenant or the family status of being in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I'm going to invite the worship team to come, those that are going to play for the communion. I'm going to invite the deacons to come who are going to come and serve communion, either the deacons or elders.